0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. I'll tell you this morning, God is worthy of our praise. Can you say amen? He is worthy of all of it. Now this morning, before we get into our message, uh, a couple things that I wanted to share with you just so give you some some input and some updates, some kind of cool things happening. First of all, I've had several people ask me about the remodel. (laughs) Welcome to my life. Amen. (laughs) And so I just want you to know we finished the offices over in the other building. We have a few things we still have to uh, uh, do, and most of it, it boils down to decorating and that kind of thing. But we have officially moved over there. And so a couple weeks ago we moved over. You probably noticed the offices here where not, there's not a lot of activity because they're empty. Amen. And so the next phase in this remodel, if you remember, gosh, uh, probably nine months ago, I told you that we were making some big changes. The next big thing is we're going to be uh, adding on to the uh, children's church and uh, expanding children's church facility. And then... Uh, of course, then we 're doing the cafe area with the where the old office is where we're going to be taking all that out, so that just takes a lot of time and if you 've ever been in a remodel project while you're living in it in the house, you know that uh, it 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 doubles or triples the time and so it, it it's a difficult process, but we're getting there uh, it is getting done, and uh, we do appreciate the the patience and the support in that and so we thank you for that. Also, uh, one of the things that I wanted to share with you today is we're starting a new ministry. And this ministry is going to be called Love on Kingman. And so it's an outreach ministry that is a uh, it falls in the realms of benevolence and community assistance and that type of thing. And what we're going to be doing is targeting various people groups uh, in Kingman, Arizona. And helping them and and ministering to them and sharing the love of god with them and so uh chad and wendy they're sitting all the way in the back and they got their hands raised right now they're all the way in the back Uh, they're going to be out in the foyer um, after service today Uh, They have some flyers. And the first people group that we're going to target is our veterans in this community. And they've already done some research and talked to different people. And so what we want to do, so to kind of give you an idea, is not only do we want to target the people group, whatever particular group of people we're working with, but we want to target particular needs. So in other words, this is going to be more of a, a, a direct aimed shot rather than just a shotgun blast amen we just don't want to throw everything out there what we want to do is find needs that where we can meet the need and we can be a part of that and so we need your help with that and so they'll have some flyers out there and if you can donate to that or if you have things that you could do or you just like to join with them talk with them after service they'll be out in the foyer Amen. And now another thing that is happening that I'm really excited about. Many of you know that we uh, uh, have our online service, and so uh, at 10:30, every 10:30 service, the online service goes out into the world wide web and uh, the the greater world at large. Well, I have a friend, a, a very close friend, that's been my friend since 1984. He was one of the first guys that I ever met when I came to this church. His name is Bruce Wing. That is not Bruce Wayne. It is Bruce Wing. Just in case you talk to Pastor Alex after service, it is not Batman. He likes to think he's Batman, but he's not. Uh, but he, him and his wife, Danette, they live in Santa Rosa, California. If you're unfamiliar with that, that's a little bit above uh, the Bay Area. They live there. They've been there for quite a while. And they were telling me the other day they just can't find a church that really is meeting their need and, and, and speaking into their life. And so, he, he obviously, he's known about us because he's gone to this church years ago, and he knows me and all of that. Well, they started going online and watching services online, and they made a decision to make New Life Church... Their church. They have a little ministry to the homeless. Uh, that they every week they go out and they feed the homeless and all of that. And so they've made a decision to come under us. And so we have our first little tiny satellite all the way in Santa Rosa, California. Amen. Now, now this is not a church. It's uh, it's th- th- we don't really even know what to call it other than that. They're watching online. Uh, they're, they, they got some other folks that they're kind of working with. And so we're just seeing where this goes. But I'm excited that we are reaching out and, and reaching beyond the borders uh, of our own city. Uh, we, we certainly have a great footprint in missions. We work, reach the world and Touch a lot of people around the world, but uh, we also are touching people not only in this community but community but the united states and so um, I, I was thinking the other day as I was meditating on that, god God spoke to me, he says, "Do not despise the days of small beginnings amen and a lot of times we uh, because we live in a in a generation now where we have what's called the megachurch. You, you could go to churches that are 48, 55, 60,000 people. They're bigger than cities. And uh, uh, you could go there. It's one-stop shopping. They have everything that you would ever need or ever want. Um, and sometimes you can sit back and go, well, look at us. Are we really doing anything? I could tell you we are. We're reaching the world for Jesus. So not only are we going to touch Kingman, we're going to touch around the around the United States, Arizona, all that, and we're going to touch the world. Can you say amen, amen to that? Amen. Well, God is good this morning. I, I have a message today that I am uh, really excited about. Uh, I don't necessarily have a text. You say, why is that? Because we're going to be in several different scriptures today, and so I didn't want to just boil it down to one text, and so... This morning, I want to embark on a subject that I am sure, I am absolutely positive this is going to develop in uh, several sermons uh, to really fully express what I want to talk about. And to be honest, I'm not really even sure of all the subjects that I want to cover uh, in this because it's that big of a subject. But I believe that it is something that is absolutely necessary for our lives as individuals, and for our church as a body of believers. And so what we're going to be doing in the next several weeks is we are going to be taking a deep look at living in righteousness. Amen. Amen. So we're going to take a deep look at living in righteousness. Now, one of the things that I want to say to you right off the bat is that what I'm hoping to do today is I'm hoping to do is to correct some wrong understanding about how we come to righteousness or how righteousness is expressed through our lives and also teach you how to continue to walk in the righteousness that's been given to you. Amen? I think by and large the church over the years, and I know this because I've been a part of it, has taken righteousness and righteousness has become more of a place of, uh, it's been used as a baseball bat. It's been used to manipulate people. It's been used to control people. It's, it's righteousness, the idea of it has been uh, 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 spoken of as a place that we have to come to. And if you don't get it right, you're going to get left. Amen? And so what happens is in that is we feel the pressure in the weight of having to become Righteous. And so it, it puts a stress on us. It puts a burden on us, like I said last week, that we were never meant to carry. Right, yeah. We were never meant to carry the development or, or the process of righteousness. You say, why is that? Because righteousness is something that God does. Yeah. Right. Now the problem with that is that scares people. And the reason why is because the natural question afterwards is Are you saying everything's okay? And you know what, it's gonna be just willy-nilly, do what you want, and we're gonna call it righteous? Heaven's sakes, no. Right, you know. Paul writes in Romans chapter six, when he says, when he says, when sin does abound, grace was more abound. He says, Am I saying that we should go sin so grace can abound even more? No. What he's saying is is that God is able to bring you to the place that he wants you to be. One of the great things about God is the thing that God requires of you, God will give you. He says, I require faith. He says in the Bible, in Hebrews, we know this. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so I can get up here and I can take that statement and I can begin to wield that statement and go, you people better get it together and you better get some faith or else God's disappointed in you. He ain't going to like you. He's not going to accept your gift. And what he's going to do is reject you at the altar because you have no faith. Right? I could do that, right? Well, the Bible says without faith, you're not going to please God. You can't please him. Okay, You better know that he's a rewarder. You better know. You better get it together. And the problem is, is we've twisted some of these thoughts into things that, that, that really begin to browbeat us. And we begin to wonder, is God really for me or is he against me? The truth is, yes, God does require faith. But the Bible tells us clearly that he gives every man the measure of faith. He gives you what He requires. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so it is with righteousness. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Now, in the last few months coming into 2023 and through the month of January and even up to this point, I have been captivated by two thoughts for the church. Number one is our deep need for a deeper relationship with our Heavenly Father. There's not a person in here today that cannot say that I want or need a deeper relationship with Him. No matter how good it is, you may have a relationship today that is absolutely stellar. You may be connecting with Him on a regular basis, but I guarantee you today that the desire of our Father in Heaven is to connect with you on a greater level a greater and greater and greater level. Can you say amen? amen. The second thing that has captivated my thinking is that our, we have a great need for a deeper walk with Him in all things. Now I want you to think about this with me for a few moments. When we think about our relationship with Him, I believe there are two fundamental elements that must be understood and growing in our daily lives, and that is number one, our understanding of God in us and our understanding of who we are in Him. That is necessary for relationship. When we understand who God is in us and who we are in Him, we then discover true identity, the true identity that Jesus secured through the work of the cross. Are you hearing me? And only through that identity identity, (coughs) can we fully relate to and have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's only through that identity. The reason that many struggle in their relationship with God is because they have yet to experience or understand identity. They, 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 they yet to understand their identity of who they are in Christ and what exactly it is that God has done for us. The Bible clearly states that we are the sons of God. John chapter 1, verse 12 tells us clearly, whoever came to him, to them, he gave the power to become the sons of God. We are no longer Romans. chapter 8 tells us we are no longer in bondage to fear. But we could cry out, Abba, Father. When the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray, he said, pray after this manner. Or in other words, here's the pattern. Start with our Father in heaven. So what we discover fairly quickly throughout the New Testament is that who we are is we are children of God. John 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 says behold what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is our identity. But more often than not Christians do not walk in the identity of sonship. What we end up doing is settling for the identity of being an orphan. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm I'm talking about the fact that when sin came into humanity, sin all the way back in the garden separated humanity from the Father. At that moment, humanity became orphans. We were fatherless. And now through salvation, we are brought back into the family, restored in relationship to God, and now we could call him Father. We are no longer orphans. Can you say amen? We are no longer sinners. He calls us saints. Can you say amen? We no longer have the sin nature. Amen. Oh, you can choose it. You could go right back and go, oh, I I I like the because it's all I know and I'm comfortable here. Or what you could do is you can walk in this new nature, this thing he calls the divine nature. You can be a partaker of the divine nature through the great and precious promises. Can you say amen? amen? And so what he's done is he's made a way for us to come back into relationship with the Father. Listen to Acts chapter 17, verse 28. It says, For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. We live, (coughs) we move, and we breathe and have our being, in him. That is the essence of our Christianity. But more often than not, what I see and sometimes even feel in my life is that I'm not walking in that, that I'm not living in that relationship. See, identity is such a powerful dynamic when it comes to the understanding of righteousness. Identity, in many ways, is the filter through which we relate to life around us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, our identity this morning determines our actions and our reactions in everyday life. Our identity determines how we relate to others and the people that come through our lives. Our identity determines the choices and decisions we make in everyday life. Our identity determines both insignificant things and extremely important things. Believe it or not, your identity determined what you're going to wear today to church. I didn't lose my place. Your identity, when you were standing in your BVDs or whatever you have or your robe or whatever in your closet and you were looking at the multitude of clothes that you have hanging there, you were looking and you saw that outfit. (laughs) And it went through your brain into the filter called your identity. And you made a decision. Then, when you put those clothes on, and you went to the mirror, the big mirror, the stand-up mirror where you could see your whole self, you looked into that mirror, and that identity spoke to you about who you are. Now, you could be sitting here going, oh, here we go, (laughs) mumbo-jumbo. But I'm telling you, I don't care who you are. I've been doing this long enough to know that this is absolutely true. I don't care who you are. This is at work in you. And if your identity is flawed because you don't have understanding of, number one, who he is, and number two, who you are, your identity will have flaws in it and so will your decisions and your decision making and everything that you do. So you ask, how do you know all of that? It's because identity is boiled down to this what you believe about yourself. It's what you believe about yourself. And if you think God's in heaven mad at you, you will believe wrong things about yourself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now listen to me. This is important. I am not saying that you're not saved. I am not saying God is disappointed in you. I am not saying that you're a bad person. I am not saying you are not going to make heaven home. What I am saying is there is so much more for us In the kingdom of God, when we learn to walk in the identity God has given us through salvation. Now we'll be talking more about our true identity and how we discover it in later messages. But this morning, I want to take a few moments and I want to focus in on this dynamic of righteousness in our life. Because this is the beginning of the second part of what's been on my mind and my heart for the last few months and weeks. And that is our need for a deeper walk with him. We, need, we have a need for a deeper relationship, no doubt, and we are going to talk about that because that's a part of it. But today I want to talk a little bit about our deeper need for a deeper walk with him in all things. Now, you know, I want you to, if you're taking notes, underline that, All things. Because our walk with Him should include all things. I'm going to say something really important. Walking with Him begins with walking like Him. I'm going to say that again. Walking with Him begins with walking like Him. You cannot walk with Him if you do not walk like Him. You can't walk with him if you don't walk like him. When Jesus, choosing his disciples, said, Come follow me, it was more than an invitation to go on a journey with him. It was a call to be like him. Are you hearing that? Now before you shut me off and go, here we go, now this is it. Remember, God gives us everything we need. He gives us everything that is required of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. <clears throat> that word image literally means to be like Him, in mind, in character, and in spirit. Now, when I was thinking about this, because I was doing some study on that word image, and and to be honest with you, it it, kind of gets a little bit convoluted, but this is where I think some common sense has to play in. Do we really believe when we look at that? Because see, we say things like this, my son is the splitting image of me. And we, and we say, well, what does that mean? That means he looks like you. That I could see in his form, in his face, in his eyes, his nose, his mouth, his, the way he looks, he looks like you. So do, do you think for a moment, if we use common sense, do you think for a moment that what God is doing is wanting you and I as individuals to look like the man Jesus? that we would have his eyes, that we would have his nose, his mouth, that we would have his inflections, that when somebody saw us, they'd go, oh, that dude looks like Jesus. <laughs> I don't believe that's what he's after here. I believe what he's after <coughs> is that when somebody sees you and watches your behavior and watches your walk, They go, that one reminds me of Jesus. It would have said of the disciples, even though they were unlearned and uneducated men, they looked at him and said they could tell they had been with Jesus. In other words, there was something of Jesus that was rubbing off, and that is the goal. He says, but we all, how many of us? All of us. With unveiled face, in other words, there's nothing, uh, there's no other filter, there is no other uh, thing hindering, are beholding as in the glory, are beholding as in a mirror. What is the mirror? The Bible talks about the Bible. The Word of God is a mirror. When we look into the law of liberty, we look into this mirror, the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed. There's a changing taking place, a metamorphosis that we would begin to represent God or we would begin to represent who He is morally, spiritually, in character, in behavior on this planet. And that, the Bible says, is a work of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, 18, same verse in the Amplified says, And we all, with unveiled face, continually, seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into His image, from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In other words, what's happening, this transformation is not going from a place of being, you know, like this wretched, bad, ugly thing to where it's something glorious. We are, have already been made right. But now, from that position of rightness, or righteousness, we are being transformed from glory to glory, from one glory to a greater glory. Yeah. Are you hearing that? And it's progressive. In other words, it's ongoing, it's continual, it doesn't stop. Now, I know that for some of us, this may sound hard because some of us are still carrying the idea that we have to make that happen. Amen. I personally have sat through a lot of sermons where people have preached, you better get it together. You better get going. You better, you gotta stop sinning. You gotta stop this. You better do this. Do, 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 do. Do. And it ends up being just that. A lot of doo-doo. <laughs> Amen. And the problem is, is we're just not good at it. We, It's the reason that we create rules and laws, is to make people conform. I remember years ago, in Jacob's Ladder, we had developed, you know, Jacob's Ladder, you know, we're getting all these court-appointed people, and they're coming, and well, these are unchurched people. They're not coming from, you know, just having had a prayer meeting and coming into Jacob's ladder and going, oh, Jesus, they're not, you know, the Bible talks about addicting themselves to the work of the Lord. These, these people were not addicted to the work of the Lord. I mean, there was other things that they were challenged with. And so when they come in, they're always trying to scam. They're always trying to get around the rules. And so we created more rules. We, you know, it's, 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 it's like trying to herd a two-year-old. Amen, you know? You put up gates and boundaries and blocks, and, and they figure out how to get under it. They're like a puppy that just can squeeze through anything. It's... It's like, or a mouse, exactly. It's like, that mouse can't get through that hole. Yeah, he does. He squeezes right through it. And it's like, you know, so what we have to do is we put up roadblocks and rules and regulations. And after a while, we had two full pages of rules blocking people from doing this so that we, we could make them conform to what they should be doing in the program. And I remember one night just looking at the rules and people were complaining and they were saying things to me and I was like, oh, and I, so I stood up and I said, look, I want to address the rules and I want to address the complaining. If you would all just do what you know you're supposed to do, we wouldn't have a need for all these rules. You know that? That if you would just show up and do your book and come to class and listen and participate and Do what you're supposed to do for 90 minutes, less than a normal movie. Just do that once a week. We would not have to have this list of rules. But because you are forever trying to move here, there, everywhere, we need this list of rules. And so that's what rules do. Rules bring us into a place of conformity. The problem is is we're not good at it. We don't conform well. If the Old Testament showed us anything it showed us that we're not going to conform. In fact, we end up in direct rebellion. Right. What happens is I, we think, you know, we could do it better. I'm just got to do it my way. You know, Frank Sinatra for this group. <laughs> I did it my way. Right? Right? Yeah. You never heard of him? Yeah. All right. How about Bon Jovi living on a prayer? <laughs> Never heard of him. You, see, see, that's the problem for me, man. That's the problem. Sometimes I talk about Laverne and Shirley and all the young people are like, who's that? Then I talk about Scuba Steve. Who, how many know who Scuba Steve is? There's a couple. See, I can't get any illustrations. But anyway, here's the point. The point is, we're just not good at following rules. So what does God do? What does God do in all of this? So God sends his son and says, I'll follow the rules for you. I'll pay the price for you. I will die. You will live. And then what I will do is by this one thing, by your faith in me, by receiving me, by just simply accepting what I've done, I'll give you my righteousness. Amen. I'll put it all on you. Amen. I will take your sin. Isn't that what the Bible says? Yeah. He says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. In other words, he, says, I, he goes, I can make all the rules that I want. I don't know if you've ever taken the time to read through the law. Read through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And read through the requirements of just the daily sacrifice. Let alone the wave offering and the heave offering and the, you know, the thank offering and the, you know, transgra- the inu- uh, offerings for uh, repentance and salvation. All this stuff. Redemption, all these offerings. If you had a bump on your skin, you got a pimple. You have to go before the priest. He has to determine, is that pimple becoming bigger or smaller? And in the meantime, outside the camp. They called it leprosy, but leprosy was a lot of things back then. It was basically a skin condition. Eczema, you got eczema. There's no cream back there. What it is is you're outside the camp. You got mold in your house? Burn it down and get a new one. I ain't joking. Go look. All of a sudden the law became tedious and it became hard. And we couldn't do it. And we struggled. But yet we come into the New Testament and what happens is we want this thing called righteousness because we really do have an internal desire that says I want to be right with the Lord. But then what we do is we fill our lives with rules. And you just can't do it. And you get exhausted, weary, and after a while... What happens is you drive your failure underground. You create a really good facade for everybody else. And you walk away knowing that you are not who you proclaim to be. (laughs) And Jesus made it really easy. He says, I'll do all of that. I'll die and pay for the price. All you got to do is just accept me and you'll become righteous. You will be in position righteous. You may not be in behavior, but you are in position. Then we go to this place. Here's where we go. Then this is where it gets once again complicated. Romans chapter 6, verse 11 through 14. It goes, "Likewise, you also reckon or consider yourselves dead Indeed, to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts, and do not present your members as instruments. And it's interesting, that word instruments literally means weapons of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. So first thing he says is consider reckon. So when you look in the mirror, see here's the filter, here's the identity part, right? What he does is he says reckon yourself. He goes consider it, look at yourself and say, you know what, I'm dead to this thing called sin. And I'm alive to God. I'm dead to sin, alive in God. That's who I am. Therefore, as a result of this identity, as a result of this understanding of who I am, it now is going to determine how I'm going to live. So I'm not going to let sin rise up. I have power. In fact, The very gift of righteousness, the position that I now hold, empowers me, sets me free from the curse of the law, sets me free from the requirement of the law, but brings me into a place where now I can live out who I am. I don't have to let sin rise up. See, before, I had no choice. I could not help but sin. But now, I can walk away from it. And I don't have to obey it. And now what I can do is make a choice to present myself or put myself in the position of righteousness and not unrighteousness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And he says, the reason sin won't have dominion over you, because you're not under the law. That burden has been lifted. The burden you now carry is grace. But we are forever trying to work this thing out. And in the end, what we do, when we try to work righteousness out, in the end, we make it worse. Because then we become religious, we become intolerant, we become angry, bitter, resentful, regretful because we're carrying a load that we can't carry. But he says, look at you are righteous. Now see, this is where it's scary because I remember when I started really having this understanding. I remember wrestling in my own mind because there is a lot of scripture and we're gonna talk about it. There's a lot of scripture that tells us how to live, right? There's a lot of things that so don't lie. Don't cheat. Have nothing to do with immorality. All of these different things, and it's seemingly like we replaced one set of rules for another set of rules. And it's like, what what are you saying? I remember thinking this what are you saying? I, I'm righteous. I am righteous. So hey, everything's good. Everything's good's fine. I just can live my life any way I want. No. No. It's a, it's, a, it's a change in understanding. I am righteous, therefore I'm empowered to be righteous. Amen. I am now actually in a position where I can live out the Word of God. Amen. I can live out this new way of living, this new identity. See, I, I, I will tell you this today. If you were to... Win the lottery right now. Let's just say you won a hundred million dollars. Let's just say that was your take home. If your nature is that you are unwise with money, then in a matter of a relatively short time, you will spend that hundred million dollars and it'll be gone. Why? Because if you can't handle a hundred. You won't be able to handle 100 million. Oh, it'll take longer to waste it. But you'll waste it. But if you are something different on the inside, if you are been changed, you've been given this new identity, this new place, you're new. Now you go about living differently. It's a new thing, it's a change. It's interesting when the children of Israel wanted a king. God wanted to be their king. But they said, we want to be like every other nation, and we want our own king. And God even sent prophets to him and said, look, at if you get a king, you're not going to like what he does to you. He's going to take your money. He's going to take your children. He's going to put your children in war, on and on and on. You're not going to like this. But they insisted. So they got a king. First king was King Saul. There's a place in the Bible, I don't have the scripture if you want it, I'll look it up for you. But it says this, Samuel sat the children of Israel down and taught them the ways of royalty. Why? They never had a king before. If you're going to be royal, this is how you live. This is how you act. So as I was thinking about all of this, and I'm thinking, man, you know what? We need to live a life of righteousness. Well, first, really, to, to bring that on, you've got you to gotta be walking in relationship with God. And second, you've you, you got to have a deeper walk. You, this walk with Him has got to go, and it's got to go into all things. It can't be partial. It can't be part-time here or there. But then I got thinking about it, and I came across the Scripture. I've read many, 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 many times, but this time it stood out to me, and it's 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, and it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, now listen, for instruction in righteousness, That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And it hit me. It hit me. God says, look, I want you righteous. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Tough, tough. He goes, don't worry. I sanctified you and made you holy. Gave you my righteousness. And he says, and to boot, I gave you all scripture specifically to instruct you how to be righteous. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing when you come to this place and you realize this thing is not on me. I don't have to figure it out. What I need to do is embrace Him and His Word. And just walk that out. It's amazing to me. All Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, has been given by inspiration of God. Well, you know, men wrote that book. Yeah, they may have put pen and paper to hand, but it was the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that wrote it. And it says, it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Church, I, I just feel like in my heart, in my mind, that what God wants is God really wants us to know him. He really wants to be connected to us. He wants that relationship. But I believe he also wants us to walk in righteous, to walk in that which was purchased through the body and blood of Jesus Christ Amen. on the cross. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so really this sermon probably serves as maybe an introduction to where we're going. And I, I, I encourage you today, this is going to be so cool because it's going to give us such insight into what Jesus has really done for us and how wonderful of a life we can live in the grace and goodness of God. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, that you have given us revelation and understanding in your word. And we thank you that you've given us your word to instruct us in righteousness. And Father, as we do come to you right now, we come, God, surrendering our lives completely to you. Father, that we may walk in you, that we may know you. Father, that we may know who we are in you. And Father, that our lives would be completely transformed. And Father, I just give you glory and I give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask real quick if the prayer team would come up, our ministry team would come up to the front. We do this every service so that people can have a chance to pray. And if you're here and you have a need of any kind, come on up. Let these folks pray with you and for you. We're going to release you. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to release you let you go. You guys have a great and wonderful day. God bless. We'll see. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.